Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by Sarah Vocations Ministry. Learn more at joinserra.org. Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. I'm Jean Till, and on today's show, we're visiting with Bishop Joseph Hannafelt, Bishop of Grand Island, Nebraska, with a whole bunch of things, Lent and evangelization and the role of bishops in nurturing the culture of faith communities. So, hey, Jean, good to be with you. Yes. I was away in Dallas for the National Catholic Bioethics Center's uh, Bishop's Bioethics Workshop. I was part of a panel there, but it's good to be back in Iowa this last weekend of Ordinary Time before we commence Lent. Um, before we have the Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> We're red. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that, right? That's a right. little different hue, though, right? Yeah, so, well, it's not Pentecost. Yeah, and so for some <laughs> of us, you know, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, uh, Brock Purdy, you know, right. I mean, different reasons to have different allegiances there. But, go 49ers. Uh, yeah, there you oh, go. Excuse okay. me. Okay. <laughs> uh, and that was not a paid promotional. Uh, no, not, no. But uh, good. And then, uh, you know, as I will be with St. Peter's folks, as I mentioned, I think, on a previous show, a confirmation today, and then over yeah. at uh, Creston, uh, Holy Spirit Parish in St. Edward Afton tomorrow morning, kind of then that, taking that pause during the season of Lent for the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. Uh, had been with St. Augustine's confirmation last weekend here in Des Moines as well. want to make sure that we mention and call our, our listeners to be alert to the Spirit Celebration Dinner, the Spirit Catholic Radio, but uh, in the Diocese of Des Moines at yeah. the Mid-America Convention Center in Council Bluffs. I'll get a chance to greet the folks again as well. The guest speaker, Dr. Ray Garendi. Oh, uh, we the, love Dr. Ray. All right. Yeah. So, so the meet and greet at 6 and the dinner and program at 7 p.m. on Saturday night, February 24th. Mm. Might uh, be something to consider here as a way to feed the soul as we move into Lent. It is a $50 per person contribution to support the mission of Spirit Catholic Radio. And you can find, uh, they ask you to reserve your tickets before February 16th. You can go in one word, spiritcatholicradio.com backslash dinner backslash dinner we do so many things with them that it's it'd be great to support them and enjoy father dr ray yeah so a marvelous partnership that we have uh archbishop lucas will not be there so you know we'll try not to make it too des moines centric but uh (laughs) we can we can do that as well uh yeah, Ash Wednesday uh, coincides uh, with the uh, culture's uh, Valentine's I Day. Jean, know. does this pose anything? <laughs> I want to know, are you going to do ashes in the shape of a heart on our foreheads because combining St. Valentine's Day and Lent? Uh, no. No. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, but but isn't the symbol of the cross the uh, the heart of Jesus? Oh, well, there you go. For yeah. us in that beautiful way. And, uh, you know, and again, we've reflected even perhaps during the pandemic or what our European and some of our global brothers and sisters in Christ will do, sprinkling the ashes on. So, but I think there's still that attraction for us as mm-hmm. Americans to, to have that outward symbol and to give witness as well. But of course, the spiritual work is both to, to give witness ex- externally, but the inward work that uh, Christ wants to. And I have found, Jean, your little Christmas present to me, yes. that book of reflections on the Anima Christi prayer, the soul of Christ by Mother Mary Francis, uh, really was enriching for me. Mm-hmm. And it kind of primed the pump even for my own Lenten dispositions in a way. As she says, as sons and daughters of the church, we have a specific delegated mission to wash away the sins of the world mm-hmm. and to send out streams of living waters upon a continually dying agonizing anguish world. 
We cannot do this unless our own spiritual pericardium is broken and all is given so that from us too, in union with his infinite giving, flow out blood and water, the sign of death. We shall give life to no one except at the cost of some dying of ours. For no one ever gives new life, renewed life, a new reason to live, a stout will to live, nor is anyone ever a channel of eternal life except at the cost of some personal dying. And so that sense that we might to be there, but we're always then moved uh, again from our own fickleness, from that attitude that I will do at this moment, whatever seems comfortable to do, even though we've discovered often enough to our suffering, our shame and penance afterward, that what we were convinced was good for us was really for our destruction. With the separated from Jesus, the always person, the constant one, Jesus, the always person mm-hmm. against our sometimes love. So may God transform these loves during uh, the season of Lent evermore in, in his own constancy. We're going to take a quick break. And when we return, we'll be visiting with Bishop Joseph Hannafelt, Bishop me. of Grand Island, Nebraska. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from First Heartland Financial Group consultant Scott Prickett, an independent financial firm offering personalized financial advice with your insurance and investments for all stages of life. 515-202-6218 or online at firstheartlandfinancialgroup.com. Support for programming is provided by construction professionals, serving customers through a proven process creating unique design, functionality, and artistic beauty. Construction professionals is a Catholic family business built on a strong foundation. cpcustomhomes.com. Throughout history, our Lord has shown us that He is truly present in the Blessed Sacrament. Experience these wonders for yourself as Iowa Catholic Radio presents the Vatican International Exhibition, Eucharistic Miracles of the World, at Dowling Catholic High School in West Des Moines, now through February 29th. Learn more about how you can bring this beautiful panel display to your parish, school, or faith-based organization by calling 515-223-1150 or visit iowacatholicradio.com. Welcome back to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. And on today's show, we're visiting with Bishop Joseph Hannafelt, Bishop of Grand Island, Nebraska, about Lent and evangelization, the role of bishops in nurturing a culture of faith communities. So, Bishop yeah. Hannafelt, so good to have you on. I think this is your first time on Making It Personal. You may have appeared with my predecessor, Bishop Pates, at certain times, but uh, we haven't connected now. So we'll do this through the medium of uh, radio. And happy to have you with us with the Spirit Catholic Radio Network and Iowa Catholic Radio as well. So, uh as I've come to know you, I think our first encounter maybe was at a Mass of Thanksgiving for, for a priest of my previous diocese up in Petersburg, Iowa. But, uh, you know, obviously now our lives have kind of unfolded in a different way. But uh, <laughs> this calling, you know, and, uh, you know, I think, as you've said, at, at a certain point, bishops are just priests who got a call one day. But that that uh, builds upon a previous call in your life. And, uh, you know, the quality, the very human qualities that you have, how is that kind of reflective of your family background and, and maybe any experiences that ultimately captured your heart for the priesthood? Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be with you. This is my first time, actually, uh, on this, so uh, I'm glad to, glad to uh, be of help. I uh, think back to growing up there. I grew up on a farm. I'm the second of four kids, uh, northeast Nebraska, and uh, my father was a convert. Uh, and I'm not sure he really understood the faith. He wasn't, uh, but I, he, he uh, supported us being raised in the church. He did kind of go, kind of not go. So people think you know, priests come from the perfect families, and spiritually, my, my dad was a, a man of faith, but sometimes I think he had a lot of questions about 
about the faith. So a little bit of context there. It's my mom, I think, who really uh, you know, led the charge in terms of our faith development as, as kids. Um, in high school, I was in ninth grade when World vs. Wade happened. And I just couldn't believe that abortion was legalized in this country. And I just had in my heart this sense that I've got to do something to make the world a better place. And that's about as formal as it got. But throughout high school, I was just, I, I wasn't really cut out for farming. Um, we had an uh, old machinery, poor farming land, high yields we couldn't irrigate. And farming was changing. And I was, you know, just really thinking, what can I do to make the world a better place? And praying into that in high school, you know, I didn't get an answer to sophomore or as a junior. And it was March of my senior year when I got a you know, chance to visit St. John Bean Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. And I just got this sense that this is it. This is what the Lord is calling me to. But it kind of, you know, it was over time, kind of incubated, you might say, uh, out of that context of farming every day, long hours in the summer on the tractor and bailing hay and all, all the stuff that goes into farm work. And God had Did that kind of make you a contemplative in a way already then, the long hours on a tractor out there in the fields? Or? <laughs> well, you might say that's, that's the case. I had a lot of time to think and pray. I used to, you know, pray early with, you know, my fingers on the steering wheel one up at a time, you know. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was foundational, really, for my life. And and for an openness, and, and I just talk to kids all the time, just ask God what he wants you to do with your life, and when you're supposed to know, you'll find out, and I don't think my story is any, you know, uh, unusual in that regard. No. Yeah. And was, uh, you, you talk about your mom, you know, kind of forming the, the household of faith, the domestic church. Uh, were you a public school, parochial school, or was that uh, any influence? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little town. Did have a Catholic school. It was a Catholic high school until I was a boy. And uh, so, but I went to second, third, and fourth grade to Catholic school, and then back to public school. I mean, dry years on the farm, and and dad said, you know, our, our school looks fine here in town. And so I did have both, but uh, that was very formational, or foundational rather for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, I graduated high school from Creighton Public High. Uh, Mm-hmm. Okay, and so already that sense, and this is this is for you, and then things unfolded from there. Uh, I, I believe seminary in Rome for you, if that's correct. But uh, ultimately, then uh, the ministries and ordination, uh, and the various ways in which God called you, and uh, as pastor, but then also as director of spiritual formation and an individual spiritual director for seminarians at the Pontifical North American College in Rome. Any kind of thoughts of how any of these ministries, including that time as a spiritual director, really equipped you for your present calling as a shepherd of a diocese? That's a good question. Actually, I said I think everything in my priesthood has equipped me or has you know, been foundational for what I need now, whether, whether it's you know, seminary spiritual direction and, and, and dealing with my priests in the sciences, whether it's a, a building, you know, a, a parish, uh, onto a parish, a parish center, whatnot, as for, you know, what one of the practical things involved with a parish doing those kinds of building projects that come up from time to time. Uh, Todd High School, my first assignment, uh, you know, and so in terms of stru- instructional understanding as we start Catholic schools, we carry, you know, the, what was that like and all. I think every thing somehow just had a piece in the picture that prepared me for next. And I'm not sure that's unusual. I think sometimes events in people's lives kind of lead them there as well, whether in business or in family life. But I think every one of my assignments had something uh, that was uh, very important for where I'm at now. Uh, I just probably thought I would have a few more assignments before having to do this, but it's like a little <laughs> so uh, it's really good. Yeah. God doesn't wait on our timetable, does he? So, but, <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. no, but then as a priest of the Archdiocese of Omaha, and then, uh, 
the, the spiritual direction ministry, which I you know was privileged to participate in, in a particular way with seminarians, but continue just on on, on a different basis. Um, it's a hidden uh, ministry. You know, one doesn't always know the fruits. And uh, did you ever, uh, you know, have you know, were you kind of humbled by it that uh, you know? Well, I don't know if this man is ultimately going to be called to the priesthood or not. And so I was just I'm to accompany him. I'm to be a channel of reflective listening for him uh, at times, wise counsel and, and, and things. But uh, living that mystery, was it always kind of a mystery to, to walk with somebody, how this would play out? Well, and, and I'd say this, yes, I think um, it, it's a little bit different. So I was uh, did the training with the Institute for Priestly Formation, mm-hmm. for spiritual direction and retreat ministry, and uh, three years uh, over that time, uh, learning the art of spiritual direction, Ignatian contemplative, and with spiritual direction. And, and, and with lay people, it's different. When I, you know, at the seminary, you have a different responsibility. It different in the directing because you, you have to discern along the way, is this person progressing toward uh, a, a priestly vocation, uh, or is he just still discerning, and taking someone from their first year at the seminary to the last year, and, and helping them. So there, there's a, uh, I would say maybe a heavier responsibility, just because, you know, daily, you know, spiritual direction, not, not daily, I'm sorry, regular spiritual direction with lay people doesn't have an end goal or mission so much as, you know, walking with them in faith. A seminarian, the end goal is to help that man discern is priesthood for them, and is Jesus calling them, and, and in what ways can that continue to advance um, even long after he's ordained. So uh, it was it was taking that experience that I had in training and applying it in a particular way um, to seminarians. And I learned a lot about, uh, obviously myself, <laughs> I learned a lot about how God works on all of this. And it's really quite a privileged, honorable place to be before another person uh, before the Lord and their open heart before the Lord. And uh, it, it, was, it was great work. Oh, yeah. And so uh, if I for the clarification, then so you were more in the external form realm. Uh, you know, we speak of that where, you know, judgments and decisions are being made about suitability for men for priesthood or uh, a little bit of both an external and internal form where it's a privileged uh, forum, but uh, ordinarily would not be shared beyond the, the, uh, the boundaries of that right. relationship. You know, in seminary, we keep it pretty strict that, that you know, those, uh, those who work in external form, the, the observables, you might say, and to help them decide uh, based on that and accountability. And I'm on the internal form, which means all that stuff that I can't share. It's almost like confession, but I can deal with the individual. And I'm saying, hey, you need to look at this, or this is a question, this is a concern, or I know that the priests in the external form, your formators, are concerned about this aspect. And so can, let's deal with that. Let's talk about that, which wasn't, you know, but then I couldn't go back and tell them how he's dealing with it. They would just have to observe, if they could, uh, some improvement or lack thereof in that regard. You mentioned the Institute for Priestly Formation based in Omaha, and that's something the Diocese of Des Moines avails itself of. Men ordinarily would have a chance for a 10-week program in the summer, which is uh, often transformative for them, kind of activates their heart in an even deeper way. Uh, is, it, uh, is it the case that you've kind of gone on with the Institute in terms of now not just as a disciple of Jesus, a priest, but as a bishop, that there is a, a program in which you're participating? Because I know some of the other Midwest re- region bishops are doing this. 
Yeah, there were some of us um, as bishops who uh, encouraged them to develop some uh, kind of uh, aspect of ongoing, you might say, priestly formation for us as bishops. And, and again, maybe not in, you know, in the same sense of preparing us for ordination, obviously, but to help us see that, you know, how can we use the, the tools that IPF has given seminarians and priests to also benefit us? And so I'm part of this first cohort, there were 10 of us, and we're just wrapping up with our retreat uh, next month. Um, where we will finish it twice a year for three years um, around, you might say, of, of uh, it's been really great. Both the fraternity, uh, obviously, the, we have a, the fall is a kind of a conference week where we are more uh, instructed, but is it, we're, we you know, receive uh, conferences and some great conversation from that. Then the, the, the winter here is always the retreat week, this eight days on directed retreat to maybe, uh, you might say, uh, you know, make it more profound, go deeper into some of the things that we're reflecting. I've been grateful for Trinity as well among us, and uh, I'm just really grateful that I do, and I, I always encourage other bishops to, to, to do it because it's just so helpful in our ministry. You know? Yeah, and I think that speaks to your humility and, you know, the recognition that, that it has to be a dynamic relationship with the Spirit and that fraternity with your brother bishops. And uh, even uh, are, are there bishops from around the country participating in this, or is it more a Midwest-centric uh, cohort? It's mostly, I would say, mostly Midwest. We have a couple from Texas, you know, one from Connecticut, uh, one from Indiana, um, but the rest of us here are sort of like Nebraska, you know, Kansas, Minnesota type of area. Yeah, so uh, we have some commonality in that regard. So yeah, I know Bishop Vinky of Salina is one of the, one of your brothers in that program, I believe. So and I don't know about yeah, any other yeah. from the, the Midwest, the Region Nine as well. Um, I just as I've come to know you, you're your self-effacing humanity. It's obvious, you know. I, I guess. The times I am privileged to be around you, uh, whether I'm in a good place or maybe there's a little anxiety, I always come away with a deeper sense of peace. That's one of your charisms is you're kind of a, an ambassador of peace, the peace of Christ as well. So your deep spirituality. Um, and, you know, I'm aware I think you go up to the retreat center in Broomtree and other things that are there. But as we look at Lent coming up, uh, just do you kind of just stay the course with your own kind of spiritual life practices and your rule of life in that regard? Or there might there be anything? that you're looking to add or deepen through the Lenten season? I, I would say that, um, you know, with every Lent comes around, I, I begin by asking the Lord, what is it that I am missing? You know, where have I been resisting uh, you in some ways? Help me see where, you know, you want to, you know, to point me, you know. If John the Baptist said, look, there's the Lamb of God as Jesus passed by. I'd sort of like, Lord, where do you want me to look? You know, where, where, where do you want me to put my gaze? And, you know, and is it some, you know, fault or weakness? Or is it, you know, a, a more of a doing, an activity where there maybe has been an inactivity you're calling me to? Is there an area of accountability that I'd not, not rather go there, you know, in some ways? And so I approach everything almost from a starting point of, what do you want? I'll just go on a little bit more with this. I always tell you know how it is after Ash Wednesday. Everybody says, what are you doing for Lent? What are you doing for Lent? And, I'll, and make a, we all make a list, right? And we all say, well, I'm doing this, this, and this. And I want to say to everybody, you know, you ask Jesus what he wants you to do for Lent. Because in many ways, oh, that's too dangerous. It is, isn't it? 
but, but frankly, we could come up with five things, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, all those categories, have a beautiful Lent, but never uh, address maybe what the Lord wants us to look at. So he waits till next Lent. No, he waits till another opportunity. But I'm thinking, why don't we start with, Jesus, what do I need to face? What do I need to do? Where do I need to return to you with all my heart, uh, as we say on Ash Wednesday in the Scriptures? And, and really just have the courage to say, hey, I'm yours. Show me what I need to do here. And that might look very different if we were to do it that way. And sometimes I try and start that way. Otherwise, it's just a matter of, okay, i got to get something together here for Lent, and okay, I'll do this, that, and the other thing, but it may not be what Jesus wants. Ah, I, th- I love that, that wisdom you're sharing with us. And, uh, you know, that uh, we let the master be the master and the guide here. Yeah. And, yeah uh, and maybe he says, well, I just want you to wait for a while here. You know, I'm not going to deliver your response or give you your, your uh, program on um, Wednesday, February 14th, Ash Wednesday. Maybe I just want you, you need to just be with me for a while, and in time I'll reveal that to you. So, uh, uh, you know, that kind of patience that's, that might need to be forthcoming as well. That's exactly it. And, and it might be that the Lord simply wants us to slow down this one, stop the madness, you know. Um, and or you know, just Not March Madness. No, let's not start March Madness. Right? <laughs> we like March Madness. <laughs> that's even getting more into April now anymore. So. <laughs> but, but listening, just to listen and just saying, maybe all that Jesus wants us to do for Lent isn't to do ourselves with more things, but simply to receive, be in a posture of receptivity uh, and, and say, okay, uh, what do you want to share with me today, Jesus? Every day, giving him the space to do that, you know? Mm, beautiful. Uh, we're, we're going to be shortly coming up on our break, but let's kind of prime the pump here as well. Uh, you're approaching your ninth anniversary as Bishop of Grand Island on the feast of your namesake, St. Joseph. Uh, you know, Bishop Emeritus uh, William Denninger is still uh, very, uh, you know, zealous and active, I think, in certain ways. But how would you maybe describe the diocese? And we're not going to give you a full a chunk of time here, maybe about uh, 40 seconds, and then we'll come back after the break. Yeah, uh, we have a diocese that is, uh, you know, totally rural, got about 60,000 people, um, and, and members of people moving in. Uh, we have a lot of ranch country and, and, uh, hardworking farmers and ranchers. And, uh, so it's the kind of diocese where you, you have a, a little bit of everything, you might say, but as far as demographics and background, but things just say people are people. And I've, I've learned years ago that no matter how you put your pants on, you might say, you still have the same soul. With everybody else. You just don't have a particular variable. So I would say the diocese is obviously a real diocese, but with communications, we're connected like everybody else. And we face some of the same challenges and uh, enjoy some of the same blessings. And uh, it's, it's kind of fun watching over all of us. You know, <laughs> fun. So, and one of those connections is the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. So, yes. uh, yeah. So. Well, stay with us as we continue our conversation with Bishop Joseph Hanfeld, Bishop of Grand Island, Nebraska. Oh, we've been talking about Lent and evangelization and the role of bishops in nurturing the culture of our faith communities. You're listening to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson on Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by the Sarah Vocations Ministry, including the St. Sarah Club of Des Moines and the Sarah Club of Council Bluffs. Sarah is an apostolate of the Worldwide Catholic Church dedicated to fostering and supporting priesthood and religious vocations. Sarans strive to accomplish their mission through prayer, fellowship, and service to the bishop, priests, sisters, and all in religious formation, and in doing so to increase their own holiness. Learn more at joinsara.org, join S-E-R-R-A dot org. Thank you, Sarans, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. 
Support for programming provided by Trappist Caskets, a work of the monks of New Mallory Abbey in Piasta, Iowa. Embracing an honest approach to death can more readily affirm the real meaning of life. Trappist Caskets and urns are made in the prayerful environment of the monastery using Iowa-grown wood from the Abbey's sustainable forest. Each casket and urn is blessed by a monk. Quietly laboring with their hands for 175 years, the monks offer workmanship at the pinnacle of woodworkers' craft. Available for immediate delivery or as a part of a pre-planning program. Learn more at trappistcaskets.com. Welcome back to Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. So thank you for remaining with us, Bishop Hannafelt. And uh, you're talking about the, the kind of rural and ranching uh, culture, but uh, these aren't kind of a stoic, lone cow- cowboys out there on the plains of Nebraska, that there is a, a fundamental desire for community and to be a catalyst for community a, as well. Uh, but that expanse, you know, as I drive from one corner of the Des Moines Diocese to the other, maybe I touch three hours, you know, getting down to Hamburg and Shenandoah and good places <laughs> like that. For you, that's uh, more than double to that. So does that pose any challenge? for you to, to feel that connection, to be present to your people? I, I think it does, and I think, you know, because we're so far spread, we go all the way to the Wyoming border, the northeast Colorado border, all of the, you know, half the southern South Dakota border, um, and, and so it's a great experience. I've got one priest who is 75 miles from the next nearest priest, 75 north, 77 south, 82 miles east, and 97 west. That's the closest <laughs> any priest are to him. So it's really isolated. Also, uh, half of my diocese is mountain time. Mm. Oh. We have a parish in Central Time, and in mountain time, you know, and so the West identifies in many, many ways with more sort of Denver, Cheyenne, Rapid City, you know, and that area. Mm-hmm. And other than Husker football, there's probably not as much of <laughs> because we're way on this end. So it's finally, so they're Broncos fans, or can they actually root for the Chiefs here this coming Sunday for Super Bowl? <laughs> oh, I, uh, I think they're Broncos out there. I think divided guys who get more than one. So, <laughs> but but the distance does pose challenges. Like Catholic schools week, I'm going out west tomorrow, and I will clock it thousand miles this week, you know, and uh, so just hitting the, the parishes with schools and whatnot. It's, it's, uh, it does make it a challenge sometimes. We often do things like uh, meetings in North Class because it's more central, two hours mm-hmm. from me, by interstate to get there. But it's trying to find a central place, and that works about best for us. For this is something to manage and negotiate at times. Does it ever make you wish you'd gotten your private pilot's license or not? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. People, people often do that, but, but I, uh, I probably should have. I love driving. I, I often drive in silence. I, I pray. I just look at you know, the scenery, whatever's out there. Um, time to think. I always say, Jesus, I do all the windshield time. So it works out mm. pretty well. Mm. Well, even though you're an extrovert and I'm more of an introvert, I think you know we share that sense you know, that being in the vehicle is a, a time of great prayer and reflection. Yeah, sometimes the Bluetooth to make connections with people. And for me, right. during Lent, that's one of my little things is to forego music in, in the car. I do give myself a little dispensation for certain um, <laughs> college tournament basketball games, but uh, beyond that as well. So you know that ability to do that. Uh, how then, you know, and perhaps you know, here we are in, in the Midwest and the heartland. Uh, some of the kind of core values, but our culture is being transformed all over as well. Uh, how do you think about, you know, the, the, the call for evangelization to announce good news? Is this, a, you know, is this we can think about the challenges, but how is this a kind of kairos, a kind of appointed time for us to, to share the joy of the gospel? Well, I think, you know, we've been talking about this for more than 10 years or so in a particular way. Obviously, even John Paul II, Pope Benedict, but uh, Pope Francis, especially the invitation, you know, to be missionary disciples. And the idea of, of that itself, I think, is just a foreign term to, to many people. Many people who are even actually involved in the church. To be to see themselves as a disciple is, is like, oh, I never never thought about that. You know, I mean, I think about the term in Latin, bishop was a student, one who was a learner, uh, you know, from the Lord, uh, 
and then a missionary one. I think when people think of missionaries around here, they think of going to another continent, you know, giving up family and home and, and never being seen again, you know, or something mm-hmm. like that. So I think just the challenge of getting our heads around and hearts around the term to be a disciple, but a missionary disciple, and uh, is you know is pretty basic, and yet it's something that you know, I think is going to be formidable challenge to get into the minds and hearts of people. That's not how I was raised, and I think a lot of people who go to church say, "I was raised to go to church on Sunday. I'm doing that, Father. I'm doing that, Bishop. Why are you putting more on me?" <laughs> you know. And so I think sometimes the challenge is when it comes to evangelization is to be very basic and to say, "What are the first things you have to think about before we get to how do I go out the door and present myself to others?" Amen. Amen. And, and uh, you well, know, that's uh, I think you know you're you're the the one the Lord's appointed and a, a man with a you know shepherd's heart after the Lord and the Master as well. So may God continue to bless you and your people throughout the season of Lent and beyond. Thank you, Bishop Joseph Hannafel, for your time with us today and look forward to com- connecting with you at uh, various upcoming events uh, as well. Thank you. You're welcome. All the best. This has been another edition of Making It Personal with Bishop Johnson. Thank you to our guests and all of our listeners in Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin, or wherever you may be listening to Iowa Catholic Radio and the Spirit Catholic Radio Network. You can hear Making It Personal with Bishop William Johnson every week on Iowa Catholic Radio and iowacatholicradio.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Making It Personal is provided by Sarah Vocations Ministry. Learn more at joinserra.org.